Hey, so good to see you. Why don't you take your seats? Um, as Pastor Jason did mention, thank you, worship team. I feel like I'm part of the family here. But we've, if we haven't met yet, my name is Andrew Stone. And I've been connected with Pastor Mark and Nina for well over a decade now. And, and just so you understand our deep connection is Pastor Nina actually sits on my board. And, uh, and we have lots of conversations about what the kingdom of God is doing, uh, not just within particular cities and regions, but what God is doing in different industries and in the marketplace. And I know the focus of this month and, and even some of the conversations that are being had are about outreach and community engagement and, inter- and how to integrate your kingdom calling into every place that you're called to. And so when I was on the phone with Pastor Mark about this particular topic and focus, it kind of got me really excited to the point where I actually thought to myself, I've got way more content than time. And every person that listens to preachers say they go, oh Lord. (laughs) A big shout out to the crew at Redcliffe. We love you. I'm I'm, going to speak into your city and region as well and your particular calling of God. We have a call of God over our lives that has a frequency. Let, let, let me explain what I mean. When you walk into your workplace or you walk into your community, have you ever felt like you met someone for the very first time or second time or third time and you say these words, they just resonate with me. They just resonate. Why do they just resonate? Because there's a frequency that is attached to who you are. Because the world was framed by the Word of God. And we live in a voice-activated reality. So we are created, and I want you to take this if if, if you're going to write notes. You are created to be creative. And rather than be reactive in your frequency, you can actually create in alignment with what God said over your life, the frequency that you live in. I'm a words person. I love words. My background's communication and human behavior, so of course I love words because we use a lot of them. The word reactive and the word creative have exactly the same letters in them. Now, there's some of you going, yeah, no, hold on, let me just spell it out just for a minute. Just let me try and figure it out. Is he right or not? Did he do the research? Yep. Reactive and creative have exactly the same lettering. The difference is, is the order. We come to church. We have access to the Holy Spirit. He's a person, not an it nor a power. He's a person. And if we have the same ingredients... How come some of us are reactive and some of us are creative? It's how we order what God has given us. Not control, order. Let me put it this way. If you gave me the same ingredients as you, as you gave Gordon Ramsay, we'd have very different outcomes. Why? Because I know how to react to ingredients. He knows how to create with ingredients. So difference in leadership, the difference is between a cook leader and a chef leader. Cooks know how to do anything with anything that they find in the cupboard, the fridge. 
But a chef goes and sources the right ingredients, goes and looks for what flavors match with other flavors to unleash this experience. You're not paying, when you go to a restaurant, like a good restaurant, you're not paying for a cook, you're paying for a chef to give you the experience. And so as part of our calling and frequency to the world, my goal for here and for Redcliffe is this. How do we create an experience of the kingdom of heaven that is not reactive, but rather creative? Our key word in our organization is called clarity. And so if you look at the middle of the word of reactive, the word is, the letter is C. And so for us, it represents clarity. And so if I can take the, the, the C that represents clarity in the middle of being reactive, which means it's too late in the piece, and I move it to the forefront, it's one letter. I move it to the forefront, what is reactive becomes creative. And the goal of this morning with our time together is that I give you an extra sense or a deeper sense of clarity over how to engage your community and the marketplace and the industries that you're called to. I am a little bit of an anomaly and a bit of a weirdo. And I'll explain why. Because I, I love ministry. I do it for a living. But I also run a corporate organization that integrates with places like QUT. I just finished the workshop on doing how to build sustainable culture and not-for-profits. And I had to lecture on it. I then will speak for the Rotary. I'm doing a national conference next year. I have to speak for Brisbane City Council. I did it just on Friday. And, and the reason I say that is because if we're called to reach out and do something with our community, not everybody gets to preach every weekend or needs to use Christian language to get there. So how do we engage? How do we integrate? Well, I've, I've broken it down to a frequency. And if we go to the next slide even though I have been given a clicker, thank you, Neil, is I wanna to talk to you about the frequency of breakthrough. You, you don't have to become a different person when you walk into your marketplace. Oh, hold on, I'm just wearing my Christian hat right now, and now I wear my secular hat. It's not or, it's and. If you wanna reach the community, and I've done this for over 12 years now, tried to dance between the, the, the corporate space, the marketplace and the ministry and learn to do both with rhythm. You shouldn't have to become a different person on Monday. If anything, you should feel like you're unleashed on a Monday. Have you ever had someone ask you a question that you could only use a Bible scripture to answer, but know if you use the Bible scripture, it would turn them off? For really honest, have you learned how to translate the frequency to reach the people? So I'm gonna try to do something and I'm, I'm slowing my brain down like a million miles an hour right now because I've got a, a biblical pattern in Genesis is found when God said, what's this? When God said, very good, he only spoke about one part of creation. Now, I'm a third generation Christian kid so we should know this because we taught this in Sunday school. The only thing that God said was very good is the human being. Why? Because it's a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. So I'm running my, the, my, my dog. He's a big black Labrador called Max. He, we call him Maxi Bear because he looks like a bear. 
He's actually a breeder dog for guide dogs. So even in my family, my dog has to have clarity on his purpose. He's called for something to bring good to the world. He's had like six litters or something. They've gone to Japan, WA, Singapore to breed guide dogs. He's got a good temperament, so they're breeding for guide dogs. So I'm running through, and I'm trying to solve this big problem, and I'm, and I'm speaking in the Spirit, because who knows when you can't, when you've got an issue and you can't pray in English, you've got to pray in the Spirit. And, I, and again, people go, oh, Andrew, you're quite strategic. Actually, I'm spiritual first before I'm strategic. Strategy should serve spirituality. And even in our organization, which is a secular, what you'd call a corporate organization, it's a corporate shop front with a spiritual warehouse. They just don't know they're getting biblical pattern when I present to them, right? So here I've got, and, and so I'm, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm like, God, I really need an answer for this really difficult, complex situation. And he said, what did I call? Very good. And I'm like, the human being, Genesis. Creation, just the human being. And I saw this Venn diagram because I'm a really visual person and it was spirit, soul, and body. Now, I don't always get to present that particular pattern corporately. I was able to interpret it to instinct, intuition, intuition, and intelligence. Spirit is instinct. Your soul is intuitive and your body should be intelligent. And we do things instinctively and intuitively that when someone says, so how'd you do that? You go, I actually don't know. Because it's just part of who you are and make up of who you are. Let me explain it with a little bit of an object lesson. If you've got kids, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So if I were to do this to the bottle of water and I put it right on the edge, every parent has got this twitch, like I'm going to knock it off. If, if I were to knock that or someone were to knock that, my instinct at the table is to catch it. But notice, that I, it's my instinct. I didn't, I, you can't think about it. It's actually instinctive. Intuition, though, especially if you're sitting at the table with children and their elbows are really close, you just move it back. I do it with adults still. I don't even know why. I'm like, I apologize in advance. Like, I'm so sorry. Can I just move this for you? <laughs> Intelligence. Now, all three have to work together. I want you to have instinct, spirit instinct. You just know because God spoke to you. It's intuitive and then you bring it to intelligence. And when we grow and build organizations, it's all about converging those three because in us, when those three things converge, it's very good. So God said, it's very good. When you reach out in your marketplace and in your calling, when those three things converge, it's very good. I don't just want good. I want God's very good. And so this morning, I'm really hoping to present some intelligence to match your instinctive and intuitive nature. You still following me? You feel empowered, ready to go? All right. So here's the phrase, and then I'm gonna break it down. So there is a sound of light that silences fear and unleashes the shout of a king. We're talking to Pastor Mark on the phone. I was, he, he, you know, we were talking about how to reach the community. And so I had to really sit down and go, this is my wheelhouse. This is what I do for a living. How do I break it down in a 35-minute session? Like even just the instinct and intuition and intelligence. It's like a five-hour workshop if I were to unlock it in all of your organizations. 
but it's a snapshot. I said, I need a prophetic statement. I love Pastor Mark and Nina so much. They're just two of the greatest people on the planet. You gotta understand, like, they are shepherds, like pastors that love you. Every time I talk to Pastor Mark and Nina, all they talk about is how much they love their church, what they wanna build in their church. And they've been so good to my wife and I. Please understand that. That's why Nina has a prophetic and intercessory voice in my organisation. I trust her so much. And so I said, I need to come today and prophetically shepherd you through this journey. So I had to come up with a statement that makes sense. And what do I do when I walk into an organisation that isn't necessarily surrounded by light? How do I sit in board meetings when all these people are talking about things that are not kingdom-minded or kingdom-aligned, and yet I'm sitting there. Has anyone ever felt like that before? You're in an industry that hasn't necessarily been redeemed yet. (laughs) You're sitting in meetings, and they're talking about things, and you're like, oh, this does not resonate with me. Well, this phrase should actually unlock a few things in the journey. Now, how do we know that there's a sound of light? Because God said, let there be light. Let there be light. Genesis 1 is also a narrative of John 1. It said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Him, and the Word was God, and in Him was the life and the light of men. And that light shone in the darkness and darkness could not comprehend it. Which meant the sound of light confuses the frequency of darkness. So when God said, let there be light, that's just the prequel to that is Genesis 1-2 where it says that, the dark, that there was darkness and chaos and upon the face of the waters and the Holy Spirit hovered over it. And then God said, let there be light. Notice he didn't fight the frequency of darkness. He solved it. Because every now and then, I was just in Perth a few weeks ago and I was listening to the radio because my Bluetooth didn't attach to the car I was driving in. That's when I listen to radio. And every ad, like I'm not kidding, every ad, including Taco Bell, was talking about inflation. Taco Bell. It's using inflation to sell a taco. A cheap taco, because that's what it was saying. Oh, times are getting tough. Inflation is coming. We've got a special taco deal for you. And I'm listening to this narrative. Now remember, it's a frequency. This frequency of fear is sneaking into Taco Bell ads. And you go, I don't listen to it. It's just there. Did you know, and, and I just want to honour someone in the room because she's just amazing. And that's Michelle Mitchell over there. She's, uh, she's just amazing. And so I, I, I'm about to do a little bit of like, you know, psychological stuff, and I just want to be approved by Michelle. Uh, she is amazing. Can we put our hands together for Michelle? She's just a really amazing person. Um, and, the re- and the reason I say that is because I've watched her literally do some of what I'm about to say and do in schools all over, speaking the frequency of heaven everywhere she goes and bringing light and life to those spaces. When we read... 
there's a non-auditory verbal response. Okay, let me put it this way. Your vocal cords move when you read. Like what? So it's not just about coming into agreement out loud with what you're saying. Like I believe in declarations because there's a sound. But what are you reading? Because when you're reading, your vocal cords actually move very at a low hertz that you can't hear. In essence, your vocal cords come into agreement with whatever your eye decides to focus on. So what are you reading? Are you reading the news more than the word? I, I, I have to say, like, oh, look, look at the next news article. Harry and Kate are mad at each other again. But, you know, like, you've got all this stuff. Like, what are you, what are you filling your eyes with? Because there's a non-auditory response that's coming into agreement. Do, does the frequency we live in let out light at a higher frequency? Okay, so there is this thing called a resonant frequency. I worked with a sound scientist to figure this out. There's a thing called a resonant frequency. Everything that's ever been created has an actual frequency to it. So that if I find scientifically the right frequency to match, like I mean everything, the bottle of water, my, my human body, the pulpit, everything. Everything has a resonant frequency. If I get a, a, a device that can match the frequency, this is why an opera singer can, can crack a glass. If I can get something to match its frequency and then exceed the frequency, I'll break it. See, God didn't say, oh, look at all the darkness. It's so bad. Let's start a Facebook group. <laughs> he says, I'll supersede the frequency to solve the problem and to break its power. That's what we are called to do when we walk out of our doors on a Monday. Is not go, wow, inflation's so bad. No, what's the frequency that we are called to live in that supersedes that frequency and brings light and solves the problem. This is what I say when I do leadership consulting. Leaders are problem solvers, not the problem to be solved. Don't be the problem. Solve them. Because you come in with a frequency. In John 1, it says, In him was that life, and that life was the light of men, and it shone in the darkness, and darkness could not comprehend it. In essence, there's a Jesus frequency that we can come into agreement with. And you've you got to ask yourself, what does Jesus think about all of this? Is Jesus worried about this right now? Well, if you live according to the kingdom prosperity over your life, and I mean that in the holistic way, He's not worried about the bill that you just got. You might say, God, do you like me today? Well, what's true of Jesus is true of you. So you've got to say, Jesus, does God like you today? Pretty sure he does. Does Jesus go, God, Father, you, there's lack in my life. Can you, can you give me some abundance? He doesn't have to ask that. Because what's true of Jesus is true of you. And there's a frequency that we get to live in that brings this. Okay, let me, let me put it somewhere in another way. In Matthew 6, it says this. It says, um, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. 
a person doesn't take a light and put a lampshade over it. Actually, he takes it off to bring light to the whole house. There's a movement in that scripture that goes from you are the light of the world, which is singular. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, which sounds random in the middle of him talking about light and about you. And then he talks about a lamp in the middle of a house that should bring light to the whole house. What's he really saying? He goes, if you become aware of the light that is in you, you should be able to bring it to the community around you. But he, he, the, the, the junction in the middle is actually a phrase where he goes, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. In the Greek, that word city is the word palemos, and it means this, not city like cute city with buildings and stuff. The word city there in the Greek is palemos, and palemos means a war, a battle, a victory. Oh. You are the light of the world. A victory, a battle, a war set on a hill cannot be hidden. And that light should be able to shine to the community all around you. If we learn our frequency, the Jesus frequency, and we put it through the finished work of Jesus, the war that was set on a hill, the battle, the victory that was set on a hill cannot be hidden. You bring light to the community all around you. So when God said, let there be light, he wasn't just talking about the light like the sun in the sky. Our, our sun is a big star and it's even not the biggest star. You can talk to Louis Giglio or what's indescribable. But stars were, were created on day four. If John 1 is a narrative of Genesis 1, well, it's not light wasn't just a thing, it was a person. Let the one who is light shine. When there's darkness and chaos, and he doesn't fight the darkness because whatever you fight becomes your equal. You have to look at the frequency, recognize the frequency. He didn't go, oh, there's no darkness, I didn't see it. No, no, there are facts. There are things we acknowledge at a frequency, but then we supersede it with the finished work of Jesus. What is Jesus's word over this situation? What is the frequency that I need to unlock, the resonant frequency that, yes, I have to match, but I can supersede? Are you blessed this morning? You, you, you following me? Okay, so the next thing is, that's the sound of light. The next thing is to silence fear. Silence fear. So we can have a frequency that comes out every day of our life, bringing light to dark places, not fighting the darkness, not picketing the darkness, because it's not our equal. The opposite of Jesus is not the devil. Like in Sunday school, maybe. You were taught the opposite of black is white, the opposite of hot is cold. What's the opposite of Jesus? Oh, the devil. It's not, Jesus does not have an equal. Our enemy is a failed employee. who didn't live up to his KPIs. <laughs> there is no opposite. So there's no darkness that becomes our darkness. That darkness, we have the right to supersede. But then there's a silence of fear. So I say that and you go, I'm so inspired. I'm gonna bring light everywhere I go. But what about when you walk into a place and you're bringing light, but the person in front of you that's bringing darkness is intimidating? I've been now doing this 
ministry within the marketplace for well over 12 years. And I sit in meetings quite often where I'm sometimes the youngest, I'm sometimes the only person of color, I'm sometimes, and I'm not definitely, I'm definitely not the tallest. I don't even have a stature that's intimidating. Oh, but the person that lives in me, he's bigger than the most intimidating person in the room. So you learn not to be intimidated when the one that created everything lives in you. Because you can't be intimidated by a question when the person that lives in you has all the answers. But that's what you've got to believe. See, perfect love casts out all fear. And in Romans 8, it talks about that fear leading to bondage again. What's that bondage again to fear? The bondage again to fear is to live between two worlds. Is God loves me today, but he doesn't like me tomorrow. Did I do enough today for him to like me tomorrow, to love me tomorrow? And you go through this pattern over and over and over again. But perfect love casts out that fear. And it's the receiving of that love. Sometimes the greatest prayer you can ever pray is to, is that, is to sing Jesus loves me over yourself. Sometimes the greatest prayer is in 1 John 4 as well, just following this. We love him because he first loved us. That our love is actually a response to his. His love for us isn't a response from our love to him. Actually, our love response is his love for us. So... We have to come into this revelation that there's a silencing of fear because the enemy has a frequency. Now, how do we know he has a frequency? Because in Ezekiel, it actually talks about the instruments that he had all laid up in his body. He talks about the timbrels and everything else. And I'm not saying he was the worship leader. What I'm saying is, is that he had a frequency and that for the glory of God to come through to bring life and light and leadership. But when he wanted the glory for himself, it turned into ego and darkness. So he can steal, kill and destroy. So there's a frequency of Jesus that brings life and light. But there's a frequency of the enemy. And the frequency of the enemy wants to give us bondage again to fear. And in World War II, Hitler used a, a technique called the Blitzkrieg. And, in, and the Blitzkrieg would do this. They would fly over regions and cities. And what they would do is that they would play a high-pitched sound. And that high-pitched sound would condition the people. Watch, it's just a frequency. It's a sound. Yet they would listen to this sound and people would freeze in fear and not put up a fight because they were conditioned that when you hear that sound, the Nazis are coming and the Nazis are going to win. Have you got an inherent sound maybe from your family or from your industry or a, a, a lived experience or a trauma that you're walking through and that sound, every time you're about to have a breakthrough, there's a sound that comes back and says, but you're not good enough to get that breakthrough. Oh, don't you remember you did? Don't you remember your family line? And there's this, and there's this frequency. And we gotta remember that the enemy can only bring death and destruction. He's the father of lies, but there's still a frequency. And if you can believe a lie, it becomes your truth unless you have a Jesus frequency. And so there's this frequency that comes through him that only brings about death and destruction. But we have to have the higher frequency. That's why when the disciples were on the boat in Mark 4, and it says that they were afraid that they were gonna drown, and they're freaking out. They're waking Jesus up, going, don't you care that we're gonna drown? He doesn't just still the storm, he silences it. 
The Bible says he rebukes the storm, which meant the storm that they were in, he only rebuked something spiritual, which meant the storm that they were in was actually something spiritual that had a sound attached to it. And that sound brought about fear. And in Psalm 107, which speaks to that Mark 4 moment, Psalm 107 says that there was a storm and they were all, they were, these people were in a boat and he brought, God brought them safely into harbour because of his great love for them. They woke Jesus up to calm the storm because they believed in his function and his ability and his power. But then Jesus said, so where is your faith? But if I was them, I'd be like, my faith woke you up. My faith said you could do something, right? Like, I mean, come on. If Jesus is there, he's sleeping, I'm in trouble. My faith says, wake him up. He then says, but where is it? I'm like, I just did it. But it's not the faith in his power or his function. It's in how they woke him up. Don't you care that we are going to die? They had faith in his ability. They had faith in his power, but they didn't have faith that he loved them. And if you're gonna go out into the marketplace and you're gonna be called out into your community and region and city, you've gotta realize that there will come times where there is spiritual uh, uh, a counterfeit against you that you need to learn how to silence. And you don't just go, God, you've got enough power to fix the problem. No, I need to know I'm here because you love me. I'm here because you love me. I sit in awkward board meetings and secular places because you love me. And I know you can fix it, God, but I'm here because you want me here because you love me. And you love the people I'm called to reach. So I'll silence the fear. I have literally been told in meetings, why are you here? What happens when that, why are you here? No, no, he, no, hear me out. We don't need you. We know the owner brought you in, but, and this is the board or the exec team, but we don't need you. What does that do to your soul when someone says that? Oh, but you gotta know how to silence fear. Because you can have a frequency, but if fear gets on top of that frequency and you don't know how to silence it. So I, this is what I now say to myself, and hopefully this helps some people. If not, just go to Michelle and she'll fix you. <laughs> if, one of the things is, when someone says that to me, I have to realize something. I need to silence it before it gets into my heart. And they can say that to me, they cannot want me in the room, but God told me to be in that room. And if he loves me and his perfect love casts out all fear, I don't need to be in bondage again and eat like two Big Mac meals and a bucket of M&Ms on the way home <laughs> because I feel rejected. Rejection will steal your calling. The f not even rejection, like real rejection. The fear of rejection will steal your calling. You know, when Peter was walking on water, I hope you don't mind me just prophetically speaking over you. I love this house. It's one of my favorite places in the world. And I'm not speaking as a guest. 
I'm speaking as a friend and family. Peter was walking on water before he started to sink. (laughs) It says that he heard the waves. He heard the wind and the waves. Now you see waves. You don't hear waves. I mean, you do when they crash, but it was, it was the frequency that he heard whilst walking on the water. When, when, when he heard the wind and the waves, and then it says that he saw the wind. So he heard the frequency, stood out on water anyway. Then it says that he saw the wind. Have you ever attached something visual to a sound? Let me explain to everybody that loves to swim at the beach. Have you ever, or a feeling, have you ever felt something brush up against your leg at the beach and thought you were about to be in Jaws 5? (laughs) If we're really honest, yes, they made four Jaws movies. The last one is called Jaws the Revenge, and it is horrible. People kill the shark, and they, they, they beat the shark, and all the people that are eight come out alive. That's why there was no fifth. Except when, except when something brushed up against my leg, I think I might be actually in the fifth movie. But, but have, you, have you ever attached a feeling to something visual? So when I walk into a meeting now, and this happened, I'm talking real life. This is not a prayer meeting. This is not connect group. This is not, this is you going to work tomorrow. You're going to uni and school tomorrow. And someone doesn't like you because you carry a frequency that supersedes the darkness of their frequency. And you have this feeling of rejection that hasn't even happened yet. Well, what's the frequency then that you live in? Oh, no, you have to, sometimes you just got to set yourself up in the morning to say, no matter what today looks like, I'm going to be in perfect love. That's only for us to do. I can't tell you how to do that. You actually have to find your place to say, God, no, you love me. And if that's the only prayer you say every day, every hour, is no, I'm filled with your love. I'm completely in awe of your love, Jesus. I'm coming into your love today. I'm, I become fully aware of your presence and your love. If that's all you do every day, watch what that does to your life in the community. Because now you're living on a higher exchange rate. You're living at a higher plane that no matter what happens, what a Taco Bell selling you inflation tacos, whatever you're listening to, whatever you're even seeing on billboards or on the news and your auditory things kicking in, you go, no, 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 no. but I have to read more about love and less about fear. I have to speak more about how much God loves me and less about what I'm afraid of. You can acknowledge what's in front of you, but you agree with what God said about you. And finally, if we go to the next slide, the shout of a king. And this is where we're going to land. There's two, there's there's a story of these two guys, Balaam and Balak, right? And uh, Balaam, this is the story, if you know it, this is the story where there's a talking donkey. You go, the Bible's weird, yeah. There's a talking donkey. So Shrek got the idea from there's a talking donkey, and, uh, and Balaam is hired by the king of Moab, who's intimidated by the children of Israel. 
Now, I want you to see this as a prophetic picture for your life. And I'm speaking in a space that, you know, maybe you need further discussion with your connect groups and your, and your leaders and, your, and, and, and who you connect with here. But, but the children of Israel are children of promise. They carry a frequency of freedom. They carry a frequency that is leading them to a place called the promised land. It didn't mean there were no giants. It just means they carried a frequency. These are the same people, watch this, that marched around a wall for seven days quietly, silent. And then on the seventh day, put out a shout and walls came down. What did I say about resonant frequencies before? Now, these people did not have calculators figuring out what is the resonant frequency of the walls of Jericho. They didn't have Google or chat GPT. But they matched supernaturally the resonant frequency of the wall and then exceeded it to bring it down all in a shout. All in a shout. Let me tell you something else that I think is pretty cool about resonant frequencies. Remember when Jesus said, it is finished and there was an earthquake and the veil tore? How do you think a veil tore based on a sound? 300 priests had to move that veil. You do realize how thick that thing was. It was, it was tall, it was wide and it was thick. 300 men had to move it. And the reason they made it that way, and it was intertwined with all this material, the reason they made it that way is so no one, this is quite funny actually, they, that no one could accidentally fall and trip through the holy holies and die. It's like, oh, I'm walking so close and they trip over a rock. And the veil would stop, it was so thick, it would stop a human being and push them back. But yet there was a frequency that tore the veil that separated man from God. Because Jesus, who wasn't even close to the veil, when he cried out, it is finished. There was a frequency that superseded the separation of, the, of its resonant sound and tore it in half. So there's these people, Balaam and Balak, and Balak is the king of Moab. Balaam is this prophet that he hires. And he, that he hires Balaam to prophesy a curse over the children of Israel as they're walking to their promised land. So Balak says, set up your place and then curse them. So Balaam then says, well, pay me some money because he likes his gold and his money. So he says, pay me some money. Take me to a high place. Let me put it this way, a place of influence, a place of leadership to curse them. And if you come tonight, I'm gonna be praying specifically for the industries that you're called to. I believe tonight's gonna be a prophetic night. You wanna come tonight, bring your kids tonight. They're called to something. Doesn't matter your age, you can be 10 and I'll pray for you tonight. You can be 100 and I'll pray for you tonight. Because the mountains or spheres of influence that you're called to need a resonant sound and a prophetic utterance that unleashes something. And I believe we can have that connection to unleash you tonight to put something so that you have a frequency that breaks the power of darkness over the mountains and industries in the marketplace you're called to. So Balaam says to Balak, put me on a high place to speak over them. So he gets to the high place, the first high place, and he gets ready, postures himself, and he goes, I bless them. 
And Balak goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? I've paid you to curse them. So he says, no, 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 pay me more money. Take me to another high place. I'll curse them. It's a great marketing model, by the way. And he gets up there. He goes to prophesy this curse. And he goes, I bless them. So this goes on like three, four times. And then Balak eventually says, enough. If you're not gonna curse them, don't bless them. Then Balaam says this to Balak. He says, for the Lord God has blessed them and I cannot reverse it. There is a frequency of blessing over your life that cannot be reversed by the curse of an enemy. Why? Because the curse of the enemy is an inferior frequency to the frequency of faith and blessing and covenant promise over your life. I bless them. So he has to bless them. And he blesses them. He, he, he has to. And then he says this, because the Lord his God is with him and the shout, when he says him, he's talking about the people of Israel and the shout of a king is among them. Historically, they had no king then. Saul was the first king that Israel ever had. What was he hearing? He was hearing something that wasn't in the natural. He heard a shout of a king, capital K. It's the frequency of Jesus in those people. He heard a frequency of Jesus, the shout of a king, and said, I cannot beat nor meet or even come close to that frequency. I can't even say it out loud. And here's what I'm praying for you as I close. That you will walk with such a sound of light everywhere you go, confusing darkness. That you would silence fear in your own inner narrative, but you would also have a shout of a king in you that when you walk into places, and spaces that want to curse you, they can't even get the words out because they have to bless you. And can I just give you the testimony? There are people that should have never let me in their doors to change the atmosphere of their industry and organisation. Yet it's like they couldn't stop it because there is a blessing and, that, and that, 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 that blessing cannot be reversed because a curse against you is an inferior frequency to the blessing of God on your life because there is a shout of a king among you. Would you stand up to your feet and let me pray for you real quick? Can I encourage you tonight? We're gonna just prophesy over the industries. Father, right now, we come before you and we thank you that you're a good, good father. That through the finished work of Jesus that was set on a war and a battle that cannot be hidden, allow us to bring light to our communities and our regions and our cities. Father, right now, we, we, we come into alignment with the frequency of heaven. We didn't make up the frequency. We can't take any credit for the frequency, but we are recipients and we resonate and we amplify the frequency that you have put in our life 
to bring out light, love and leadership. For every person here that came in carrying confusion and darkness, we speak light that confuses the darkness. For those that carried any fear or intimidation coming in today, right now we say perfect love casts out all fear. That perfect love casts it all out. And Lord, when there are places and spaces where we feel like there are people trying to curse us, curse our calling, curse who, calls, who, who, who God has called us to be, Lord, may You release a shout of a King amongst us all that shuts the mouth of the enemy and makes everything come into alignment with the blessing and promises over our life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. I just wanna thank you for being on this journey with me this morning. Thank you for allowing me to prophetically lead you through what I would hope unlocks you into the call of God in your life, in the marketplace and in the ministry or wherever you feel called to, the city, the regions. And I'm really looking forward to tonight. So please come tonight, because I believe we're in a season of supernatural breakthrough. I don't want my natural intellect to lead me. I need the supernatural wisdom of God. The Bible says in Corinthians, we can have the mind of Christ. So it means I can think like Jesus would. And when Jesus thinks, worlds are created. So what could we have access to if we really aligned ourselves with that? Anyway, thank you for having me. I look forward to tonight. God bless you all real good. I'm gonna hand it back to Pastor Jason.